Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, Ryan Treasure. Bonnie D. in the house. Happy to be here. Wow, have we got a topic for you. I know it's going to impact. It's going to resonate with our listeners, our viewers all over the world. First, I want my guests to wave hello to LinkedIn and wave hello to Facebook. We are live streaming. This is the world. People want to see you talk. They want to see you think. They want to hear you and they want to watch you. And I have a very engaged panel. We have a full house. I wish we were playing poker because we've got a full house. I don't know why I said that. I don't play poker. Full house today. We've got five speakers and the topic is interesting. So let me just start out with a little personal note here. I bought something. I like it. I love it. No, it's day two. I hate it. I'm not sure. Does it fit? Do I want to keep it? Do I want to return it? Sure, it's easy. I bought it on Amazon. I'll run over to Kohl's. I drop it off. I show them the QR code. It's so easy to return things. Our topic today is the future of retail and technology how many happy returns and you know that's a play on words because when you have a birthday or anniversary people say many happy returns of the day well this is the bane of the existence of the retail world so we're going to talk about that today let me give you a couple of statistics and then i'll have my esteemed panelists share their bios and then we'll do the opening quotes and then we'll have our predictions so retailers expect 17.8 percent or 158 billion that's with a b like the first letter of my name a merchandise sold during the 2022 holiday season, we're not even there yet, will be returned, according to the National Retail Federation, known as the NRF. Emily Grayson, who is a director of operations at a women's apparel brand, I've never heard of a retailer named Tuckernuck, said, and this is a quote from digitalcommerce360.com, she said, returns were just the bane of our existence, but there's no way to avoid them in this business. Returns have become a major headache in e-commerce, cutting into profits and straining resources. Does everybody on my panel agree with that? Yeah, we got a headache here. Okay, now buzz number two. I have an article from CNBC.com. Listen up. Retail returns jumped to an average of, they say, 16.6%, almost as many as projected for this year, last year in 2021, versus... In 2020, only 10.6%. Do the math. That's huge. That's a 50% increase, according to an NRF and APRIS retail survey. They add up to $761 billion of merchandise that retailers expected will wind up back in stores and in warehouses. Listen to this. Unwanted purchases come back to retailer stores and warehouses and become a headache for companies that must decide, well, what do they do with it when it comes back? Can we resell it? Can we get them written off by the manufacturer? That's a loss. Do we have to take the loss? The average rate of returns for online purchases, and how many of us all buy online, was 20.8%. Okay, and I have one more quote here. This is from, uh, let's see, this is Genpact, G-E-N-P-A-C-T.com. Retail in the age of instinct. Has anybody on my panel heard of the term the age of instinct? I had never heard it until I, I know, I know, Profil, it's interesting. They say there were three trends shaping CPG and retail organizations and companies must adapt to thrive. One is optimized reality, 
Companies are using data and digital technologies to tailor experiences for us, services, products, promotions to the individual. Ethical impact. We all know we blame that on millennials, but I think we all embrace that now. And whole system planning. So let's leave that alone. Those are my intro comments. I want you to raise your hand and wave when I call your name. We have Prafel Karanth. So nice to see you, Prafel. Looking wonderful. Victoria Wick is with us. She was on one of my creativity shows. Wait till you hear what she has to say and her involvement as a real retailer yes matt lakaitis is with us matt welcome back loving the new look matt i can't get over it i'm sorry i've known you for years we have a newcomer to the show navjeet basin navjeet welcome so happy to see you and oliver you. stocks welcome Oliver, I haven't seen you in years. I, I don't think I've ever seen you, but you're here on my on my Zoom show. <laughs> I'm going to ask them for their take on the future of retail and technology. How many happy returns? And the question really is, are retailers ever going to be happy with returns? And I will tell you that my personal experience is buy it on Amazon. Some reason don't want it. Go in, hit return, get the code. QR appears on my phone. I drive 1.2 miles to Kohl's. I park in the big empty parking lot. I walk into a sparkling clean store. Arrows on the floor tell me where the return aisle is. I go up. I show her the code. I bring the thing. It doesn't have to be packed, wrapped, boxed, nothing. I put it on the counter, touchless. She says, thank you. She hands me a coupon for a $5 off coupon in the store. If I shop that day, talk about a partnership. I go home and the refund appears on my Amazon account. How easy is that? I'm guessing retailers would say, that's too damn easy. So let's go around the table mm -hmm. and do introductions. And I'd like to get your passion statement as part of your introduction. Prafal Karan, I'm so happy to see you. I reached out to you on LinkedIn of all places and you said, I'd love to be on your show and here you are. So let me put you on speaker view. Please introduce yourself. And what's your passion for our topic? Why are you here, Prafal? Yeah, uh, I think Bonnie, this is, uh, thanks for first of all having me. I think when I first heard the topic of happy returns, and as I posted this show on my LinkedIn page, it is an oxymoron. Um, I started off my career in 1988 at a retailer, and one of the big areas that I was focused on was handling returns on the back end of the system. And I've always called returns as a necessary evil uh, in retail. You have to do it, uh, but it's painful, it's time-consuming, it's non-value-add for you as the retailer, it's non-value-add for the customer, right? So it's a necessary evil, you have to do it. But in today's world, you know, with the explosion of online sales, the ability for people going to a subscription and, and re-commerce and saying, hey, go buy five things and return four, feel it, touch it, and then decide what you want. It has, becoming, it has become and will be increasingly a differentiating factor for retail. So it's, it's, I, I call it a passion, but it is a necessary evil in retail. My background started off in the industry. I did a lot of work in supply chain, uh, in retail, and then moved into strategy uh, consulting at some of the leading management consulting firms. And so while everybody talks about supply chain, it's really the reverse supply chain, which is that big evil, the big elephant that sits in the room when customers want to return. And one of the things that I you know, will talk about is the definition of curbside is going to change. Um, and so, I'm very interested in seeing which retailers take the lead on that. Um, obviously, you mentioned Amazon. They've probably taken the most in terms of simplicity, but there is a lot more to go. So I look forward to hearing from others and sharing my insights. So 
Thank, thank you, you so much, and thank you for promoting the show. I appreciate that. Let's move around the table. Victoria Wick is with us. Victoria, tell us your story. It's quite a story. I met you when I invited you on my show called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives a few months ago, and Victoria is quite an interesting person, and wait till all of you hear. Victoria, who are you and why are you here? Talk to us. Well, um, my name is Victoria Wick, and um, I came here as an immigrant. You know, my parents actually brought us here and started with absolutely nothing, 30 bucks, which is pretty close to nothing, and um, did all my stuff, like, you know, went to school, uh, Asian parents have a, a, a thing for education and all that stuff, so I did all that, and um, I found out that my life wasn't all that fulfilling after I got, you know, decent jobs and all, so I started my company back in 1989, um, turning my passion into a business. And I was hoping to just make like two grand a month. And I ended up building a really nice empire and um, have dealt with retailers um, all over the world. Everybody from Harrods, London to Galleries Lafayette, Neiman, Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, all that. Uh, dealt with Amazon and my products are currently on Amazon and been on TV on HSN, you know, f when they were very beginning, like in 1998 to um, 2017. So a 20-year career there um, and built, you know, did millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in sales of my own products there. And I'm currently on Shop HQ. And I have to tell you, when you talked about the 17.8% returns, um, my experience on TV retailing specifically, because I can't see it and touch it like a brick and mortar store. Now, when I first went there, it was like 58% returns in jewelry. And so we would be happy to deal with the 17.8% for sure. Um, today, that number, you know, uh, category-wide, in, industry-wide is about, I would say in the low 30s. Uh, my personal returns are lower and I can go over how I lower that because, you know, a lot of transparency, just being honest with them. You know, if you tell them, hey, this is a, um, you know, good quality product, it's not the best, it's a good quality product, but it's affordable there's a less return than if you tell them it's the best the money can buy and then it's only 20 bucks and then they get it home, it's junk and they, they return it, you know what I mean? It's like, so the ex matching the expectation from what your messaging is, is I think critical uh, in cutting that return rate down to half basically. So anyways, uh, I'd love to talk about, um, you know, uh, hear about others uh, in this panel because this is something that's very close to my heart and it's my life. Like I live and breathe and sleep. Returns. Thank you. And that's why I invited you, Victoria, because you are a retailer. You you are there in the trenches, in the field. You didn't tell us exactly what your product is. Would you mind just sharing that with everybody? Because you talked about jewelry, you talked about retail, talked about HSN and Amazon and all the big retailers around the world. Yeah. What is it exactly you design? What do you do? I, des I design fine jewelry. Um, so it's a very emotional purchase. You have to really connect with your customers on an emotional level. I actually put a timer on for like three minutes. That's what the timer is. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't over talk because you know when you're on tv like every literally we, have to, we are judged on our dollars per minute basis so i didn't want to chew up a minute thing <laughs> we have to do several thousand bucks a minute every minute you're on which is kind of crazy wow thank you very much victoria i'm very honored you accepted the invitation delighted to have you and we needed another girl on the panel and i'm allowed to say that so there see i said it let's go to matt before i get in any trouble matt Lakatis, how have you been it's been a couple of years talk to us uh, matt i'm guessing i'm guessing there are 12.4 people around the world who don't remember you from the last time you were on one of my probably one of my sap business radio shows and i want you to talk to those 12.4 people and remind them and refresh them okay what have you been up to hi matt 
<laughs> Hi, Bonnie. Thanks so much for having me again. It's always great to be with you and our esteemed panelists. Uh, my name is Matt Lakaitis. I have the privilege of serving SAP's customers around the world that are clustered in our consumer industries uh, group, which is retailers, consumer branded companies, agribusinesses, healthcare companies, life sciences companies, wholesale distributors, all focused on what it means to serve customers and have a unique and differentiated value proposition. And this topic is part and parcel of that because it is for all the reasons Victoria and Profil talked about, it's very much front and center. And uh, I'm passionate about helping our teams help our customers be successful in their endeavors. And they trust us to have a point of view on particular topics, one of which is obviously returns and how do we help administer those much more efficiently and, and distribute all those more effectively. So very passionate about the concept, very passionate about the topic. Um, since we last uh, connected, I've had I've assumed global responsibility. So that's been very enjoyable for me, not only getting to see our team around the world, but also spending time with different customers in different regions and seeing how they do things, maybe a little bit uniquely, a little bit differently. There's so much innovation all over the world of retail and consumer all around the world. And it's really fun to go to different parts of the world and, and see how different problems are solved by really creative solutions in different ways. So wonderful to be here and I'm looking forward to contributing to the conversation. Thank you very much. Great to see you. We need a new PR picture for you, Matt. You don't look anything like the picture I posted in the, <laughs> in the promo. So it's time for a new headshot. I'll create one for you if you don't see right. one. Let's go to another newcomer to the show, Navjeet Basin. So happy to meet you. Happy you accepted the invitation. Would you please introduce yourself? Who are you and why are you here? Absolutely. I'm uh, glad to be here. I'm the founder and CEO of NewMind. And uh, NewMind is laser focused on helping retailers reduce returns. And you can imagine if that is the mission of my company, I better be passionate, excited, a thought leader, all of the goes, good words which go along with that. And uh, you know, in my journey, and actually before I start with my journey, I was born in a country, a small country called India, where there was no concept of returns back in the days. So imagine coming from zero returns to here we are in 2022, returns uh, in some categories starting from 10% to north of 58%, like Victoria just mentioned. And that is a reality of the world in the retail industry. And, and Bonnie, the way I look at retailers, hey, retail is a for-profit business. At the end of the day, retailers got to make profit. Returns is one of those revenue leakages which is happening and Hackley has gotten out of control over the last decade and obviously COVID accelerated it. You know, one of the facts you just stated, just between 2020 and 2021, revenue grew by about 17%, but returns grew by 58%. And, you know, our focus at NewMind, you know, again, we are a retail technology provider, laser focus on returns prevention, which leads to returns reduction. And uh, goal is, you know, because today in the retail environment, there is no true owner of returns, but returns impacts everybody in the organization. And actually, Bonnie, I was uh, uh, glad to see an interesting title when you reached out called Happy Returns. And really, hey, who is happy? Is it the consumer who's happy or the retailer? Because the retailers aren't happy about returns. No matter how you want to slice it, dice it, how you want to position it, driving traffic to the stores and all the, those good things, right? But at the end of the day, you know, you're spending 
X percent dollars in advertising, selling, etc. But when the returns start happening, your margins are getting eroded. Nobody loves it. But you know what? Thanks to Amazon, they spoiled the consumer with fast, free, easy shipping, followed by fast, free, easy returns. And guess what? About a month ago, Amazon announced on CNBC they're going to get serious about returns prevention. That's where I see industry changing because, hey, somebody's got to take the lead and nobody better than Amazon. So glad to be here you know, to share my insights on how we help retailers reduce returns. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you. And thanks for the introduction. Thanks for that stat about that note about Amazon saying they want to want to stop, slow down the pace of returns. They're the returns leader, actually. I'll talk about that more. And let's get Oliver Stocks. Oliver, it's been a long time since I've seen you talk to you. So happy you're here. Thanks for accepting the invitation. And a shout out to Stephen Sparrow at SAP who helped us uh, put together some of this panel. So thank you, Stephen, one of my one of my former colleagues. Oliver, putting you on speaker view. Catch us up. What have you been up to? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Oliver Stocks here. I'm based in Boston. I was born and raised in Germany. And I had the opportunity to start at SAP at a time when I was very passionate about sportswear, footwear, apparel, and accessories, and anything around passion, uh, fashion. And I developed the passion for fashion, ultimately, working on the solutions in Germany around ERP. Ultimately, that brought me to the States in 2001, where I worked on the consulting side. Now in my current role, that has also changed since we last spoke, Bonnie. I'm in the industry cloud team now, focusing on the consumer industries. And I have the fortunate like, opportunity to work on a industry solution for returns management. We call it the SAP Intelligent Returns Management Solution. And in that, I had the opportunity to work with a couple of customers who I met with and said, do you have a problem to solve? Obviously there are returns, there have been returns and there have been solutions. Do you still have an issue to solve? Is there anything we could do with you? We basically started from scratch by having all these customers in a virtual environment and talk about the problem statement and where do maybe current solutions fall short. And we took our time to develop the solution as a public cloud solution, multi-tenant available. And we were able to bring it to market. And we are working with a couple of customers on a very detailed solution rollout and it's, it's a fantastic opportunity to work with the customer side by side and develop a product that can be leveraged going forward to improve you know, the way that returns are being handled. So it's a great, a great opportunity here to work with customers and I'm looking forward to this chat here with this group. Thank you very much. Nice to hear from you. Nice to see you. Good panel. Let's get going with our opening quotes. Let's keep this brief and breezy around the table. Profil Carant has sent us a quote from Michael Corleone. Now, this was The Godfather 3, 1990, American crime family film. I put through family in there. This was the third and final installment of The Godfather trilogy. Al Pacino played Michael Corleone in this version. Here's the quote. I haven't heard this one, Profil. I was happy to hear it. Just, I don't know if I can do this. I could do an, I could do a Brando quote a voice, but I don't, I'll just make it kind of New Yorky. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. How did I do, Proffel? What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think you missed that that sign, that that movement from Mike from uh, Michael Corleone. I think when you know when you asked uh, what's one of your favorite movies, immediately I could think of nothing else but the entire Godfather series. I think it's one of the things. Uh, probably at the time, but even now ahead of our time in terms of cinematography and 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 just it was gripping. Uh, this particular quote, I've always 
you know, everybody's heard about it. Everybody's seen him say that. But when I, interestingly, when you think about returns, why is it critical for returns? Besides being my favorite movie, one of my favorite quotes, think of the product. If the product had feelings, they think they're out. They're going to be consumed by a consumer. They're going to be, they've bought, they've left the, you know, the, 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 the shelf space. They've, you know, they've been unconstrained. Think of the toy story. They're going out. And just when they think they've gone out to the customer's home to be tried out or tried on or consumed, they come right back to the customer, right? So it was very apt. If thinking about returns is that's very applicable to the extent where you think you're done and a retailer thinks the same. They've sold it, great, they've got a happy customer and boom, right there, they've got a customer that comes back and says, no, nah, didn't want it, here's, take it back. And as a lot of people in the panel have talked about, you know, I've always called it an oxymoron, you can't have a happy return. Um, it's really a lose, lose, lose situation. Uh, so that was, uh, I found that very apt for my um, approach Thank to returns. You. So, Thank you. Yeah. And I will tell you, I recently bought a $300 item on Amazon, not a big deal, but as soon as I bought it, I wasn't sure I wanted to keep it. I'll tell you a little bit later what it was. I immediately went to the return date and I put it in my Outlook calendar. I had three weeks to decide whether to keep it or return it. I made an appointment with myself to make that decision because I wasn't sure. Interesting, I've never done that before. And I bought one for a friend and his, I bought three days later, I put that into my calendar as well. I said, remind so-and-so that he has until this. All right, I'll tell you, we, we bought VR headsets and we weren't sure we wanted to keep them because VR is a whole new world and the headset is big and clunky and you get headaches and you get nauseous and you can't sleep and you're dizzy. And we weren't sure, we've been working with them for three weeks and we're keeping them, but we had to make that decision. Mine was, May 19th, his was May 22nd, and it was in our calendars. Do we keep or do we return? I made it into an event. I have never done that before. That's how easy, but that's how specific you have to be if you're thinking of returning. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, what do you think? Was that, that made it easy, but very specific for me. And I've never, never had that experience. It was a, it's not the 300, it's do I really need this? Do I really want this? Do I really like this? And the more and more I use it, the more I like it. But it was an interesting process that I have never experienced before. I created the process by being aware. Victoria, let's go to your quote. One of my favorites, base commander, Colonel Nathan Jessup, played by the one, the only Jack Nicholson, the movie, A Few Good Men, 1992 American legal drama based on Aaron Sorkin's. He's up all over the place. 1989 play it revolves around the court martial of two U.S. Marines charged with the murder of a fellow Marine and the tribulations of their lawyers as they prepare a case to defend their clients. Here's the quote, five words, we all know it by heart. You can't handle the truth. Victoria, how'd you find this? And what does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead. I don't love the movie, but I do <laughs> love the monologue. And he's, you know, it goes with something like, uh, do you want the truth? And the guy says, I, I think I deserve the truth or something. And he says, you can't handle the truth. Uh, it really doesn't have a lot to do with returns, but it does in that I believe um, it, that, you know, being in retail and having my own products come back and see it. Um, I've always thought retailers that they need to give uh, the consumers as much information as possible and as, as transparent as possible. You know, consumers know what they're buying. They know the value that you're bringing 
So for example, like a tanzanite ring, if you keep telling people, you know, tanzanite's going to be extinct and it's going to be so expensive and, you know, and this is the finest quality. I mean, there was a $200,000 tanzanite, uh, it, you know, it goes every, every, anywhere from $100 to $200,000. So if you keep telling them how great this is, it's the same as Tiffany's, but they get it home, it, it doesn't have the vibrancy, they're going to return it. But if the consumer knows that, you know, for the $200, they're actually getting something that's really fantastic for that price point, and that's the best they could do in the, in the market, and they're happy with that, they don't return it. So I feel like whenever I'm sitting, you know, because my business was such a big business, and I've sold over 10 million pieces of jewelry, these are net numbers, okay? Um, you know, I get in, sit in front of a lot of management people talking about preventing returns, and I just keep telling them, if, you know, do you want the truth? Really, if you guys do a better job of just being transparent, letting them know, you know, focus more on the total experience and not just, you know, let's get the revenue at any cost today. You're going to pay it next month when the stuff comes back, you know, like, um, so for me, telling, telling the truth, um, it, the other things like retailers always say, well, you know, you get, you buy this and you get that one for free. I mean, that's a lie. You, you know, like nothing is free. Uh, so just be transparent. Tell them like, you know, you get a better vibe. You buy the two. And um, so I, I think that that telling the truth is a, a pretty, pretty uh, simple thing. And it's, it starts with that first. Thank you very much. I'm so happy you're you're here. We're we're getting the truth from a retailer in the trenches, as I said before. Thank you, Victoria. Let's go to Matt Lakaitis. Matt has got an interesting quote from Kevin Malone. That's the character played by Brian Baumgartner at Jim and Pam's wedding. Anybody saying Jim and Pam? Where were they from? Well, it's The Office, specifically season six, episode five. I come up with the facts, Matt. I love to do my research. It aired on October 8, 2009. Do the math. That's what, 13 years ago? The Office was a mockumentary sitcom TV series on NBC that ran for nine seasons through 2005 to 2013. And the episode was called Niagara. It's two parts of The Office, and it was episode 104 and 105, blah, blah, blah. And I will tell you that Bruce Baumgartner was a very, very popular character on the show as Kevin Malone. Here's the quote. I've got, I got six numbers. One more would have been a complete phone number. That was epic. <laughs> Matt, I watched the scene. I put the clip into the notes. He's at a wedding. He's trying to pick up girls. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. What does this have to do with our topic? Well, thank you. Yeah, so it's uh, it's actually one factoid about The Office is it's apparently the most successful and the most streamed show even today because it's had a rebirth with uh, the younger generation. And I know my own children have uh, been through that and we'd all enjoyed that. But uh, Kevin Malone is one of the best loved characters on the show. But this this quote I picked because this speaks to two aspects. One is it speaks to relentless optimism and the power of positive thinking, which I think is really important uh, as brands and retailers focus on the value proposition and the interaction they want to have with their own consumers. But it also speaks to the power of data and under having a complete picture of what's going on, right? Because he has only six of the seven numbers that he would need to contact one of the one of those people and. Uh, that often speaks to the fact that retailers are dealing with incomplete data. And the more they can do to make customers comfortable with sharing more about themselves, the more enriched experience they're gonna have. And that certainly is impactful all along the returns journey. So I thought for those reasons, it was appropriate uh, for the panel discussion. 
Very appropriate. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And let's go to who we got here. I'm scrolling through, picking out predictions already for all of you. Matt, yours will be next. Navjeet sent us an interesting, Navjeet, I haven't had a quote from anybody from the TV show Suits in a long time, and it was one of my favorite shows. I devoured it. I just... I just found it very, very exciting. I love the music. I love the scenes. I love the characters. A attorney Harvey Specter, played by Gabriel, his middle name is Swan, Gabriel Swan Macht, suits American legal drama TV series on the USA Network from 2011 to 2019. Nine seasons, 134 episodes, created and written by Aaron Korsh. Set in a New York City law firm. I'm a New Yorker, so I like that. It follows Mike Ross, played by Patrick J. Adams, who uses his eidetic memory. In other words, he looks, he remembers. He sees, he remembers. To talk his way into a job as an associate attorney working for Harvey Specter, despite, hey, Mike was a college dropout. He never went to law school, and he was a damn good attorney. And it focuses on their winning lawsuits and closing cases, hiding his secret. That was about, by the way, Meghan Markle, a princess now, she was on the show as an ambitious paralegal racial Zane. That's a whole other thing. So here's the quote Navjeet has picked. This is interesting. The difference between you and me is you want to lose small. I want to win big. Ooh, I get chills. I, I almost am tempted to rewatch the series. I loved it so much. Navjeet, thanks for the memories. Go ahead. What does this sure. have to do with our topic? Well, it, you know, it has got a lot to do with the returns. And the reason I brought it up is re retailers are so laser focused today on managing returns, optimizing the cost of returns, cost of uh, refurbishment, disposition, etc. Whereas, you know what? If you started reducing returns, you'll have less to process to begin with. Because you know what? You cannot eliminate returns but even if you can reduce them by 5%, 10%, that's millions to the bottom line. And that's why, you know what? I want to win big. I want retailers to win big. And that's why I love that quote, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And now let's go to, let's see what we've got from Oliver. Your quote. Oh, this is Millie Rusk, and her avatar is Molotov Girl. You can all think about that. Played by the actress Jodie Comer to Guy, played by Ryan Reynolds. The movie is Free Guy, F-R-E-E. -E. <laughs> As Victoria said, there is nothing that's free. Free Guy, it's a 2021 American action comedy film story of a bank teller who discovers he is a non-player character in a massively multiplayer online game, I think they call those MMOGs, and partners with the player to find evidence that a gaming company CEO stole the player game source code. Oh my goodness. And Millie is a player looking for source code to her original game, Life Itself. I'll leave it there. Here is the quote from Millie to Guy. Don't have a good day, have a great day. I hope I gave the right head tilt to that. I'm not sure, Oliver, help me out here. How'd you find this one? Go ahead. Yeah, no, certainly. This was like really just such a fun movie to watch. I watched it on one of my my plane rides and I continue to like it because it talks a lot about influencing people, people's behavior and using artificial intelligence, machine learning, augmented reality to basically drive consumer behavior. And that's what it ties back to our talk here today. In the show itself, you see a guy who realizes that he's actually this non-functional like non -functional player. So he's basically like just a statistic person who it, like realizes every day the exact same day. And he just happens to be this happy guy who likes to say, good morning, you know, it's a great day. And around him, a lot of things happen. A lot of negativity happens. And a lot of things happen that the players who actually do use the, um, like this uh, tool that he's within, like influencing what happens around him. And he only realizes after a while that there are glasses 
that basically allow you to distinguish between non-functional or non-players uh, and actual players who pay money to live within this movie, this virtual world, and uh, you know gain points and and you know and add additional uh, like value to to the, the story. So it's it's a really fun story. I can recommend watching it. But it also alludes to the um, influence that social media and a lot of artificial intelligence can have. And we should talk at some point about the metaverse. I can't believe that we made it to 35 minutes into the show without mentioning metaverse. So is this non, you know, like character player, is, is he, as he evolves as a person, is he a being? You know, there might be a much deeper discussion at some point down the road. We can leave it for another show, Bonnie. Yes. And I'm already thinking I'm inviting you all back in the fall for part two, because we need to discuss, right, Matt? We need to talk about this in the context of pre-holiday returns. I think this would be, so please all, I'll send, I've never invited a panel back for part two in the middle of a show, but I, I know we have a lot to talk about. Let's thank you all for the quotes. I appreciate the, the time you all put into picking such interesting quotes, interesting movies and TV shows. We didn't have any song lyrics today. Uh, the one that I, I thought would have been appropriate today is from the Beatles. All you need is love, da, 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 da. Not quite when it comes to returns. Okay, let's go to our predictions round. I'm not sure we'll get more than one each, but here's the deal. I'll read a prediction. You all have something from me. Oliver, I just put yours into the chat. You all have something from me in a private chat to you so I don't disturb anybody else. I'm going to read your prediction. I'd like you to spend two and a half, three minutes tops. Victoria, you don't have to set your alarm anymore. I appreciate that, though, dear. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. And, um, and if anybody has a comment about somebody else's, but we do want to keep it moving, just wiggle one of your nice fingers at me and I will call on you. Otherwise, we're going to run through as many as we can. Let's see where we... I've tried to pick up... An, a variety, an array of different approaches to the prediction. So, Profil, I'm going to read your first one here. It happens to be prediction number one. He says, Oliver, are you ready? Are you, you have your seatbelt on, Oliver? Profil says, with technology like Metaverse, there we have it, AR and VR, retailers can offer virtual fits, tryouts, and product placement that helps reduce the need to return, especially with online purchases. Profil, take it away. Go ahead. Yeah, no, thanks, Bonnie. I did, I, I did not mention this to Oliver before, so we were not focusing on this. It is 35 minutes, 37 minutes we've, since we've talked about it. And Navjeet talked about it a couple of times. Yeah, you know, when you look at the predictions that I have, I break them in two categories. One is why even, you know, reduce the return, reduce the root cause of those returns. And the other two are around now that you have returns, how do you improve the experience? So focusing on reducing it. I think when you look at what Metaverse has done is really converge the shopping experience for an online retailer to feel, instead of looking at a plain website with pictures and product content, how can I immerse myself into a virtual showroom? I go around the showroom as if I was in the store. Um, people in the store are looking for a digital experience of being in a digital world with either a showcase or what. But what all that has done is allowed us to take and sit in a couch and put, put a sofa in my room, allow me to touch and virtually touch and feel the fabric, be inside a store sitting at a home. And really people, one of the reasons they return, especially related to fabric and when you get into furniture, which I work a lot in, or even apparel, it's the lack of seeing how this feels on me or in my home. And so if I can give them as good as a touch of feel, 
through these technologies like being in the metaverse and using AR and VR technology, that will drive the reducing of the returns. And another one, and I'll throw in the second one because it's very close related, is when you look, you know, Matt talked about incomplete data. Uh, when you look at things like um, the digitization of not just the supply chain, but even digitization of your supplier's supplier sitting in, in, in Thailand or in Bangladesh can digitize their production information, their QA, they're all the products that you, that as a retailer, will never ever see. And if I can see that, think of the kind of information you can get to see. Well, it seems like this factory has the highest quality issues, and therefore I can predict product recalls, which then lead to returns because of quality issues. So if I can get all that information and make my sourcing come from this factory because they have a better QA quality or they have better sustainability practices that's going to educate me to provide the right products and and to Navji's point even if i can reduce it by five percent i think it could be more but those are things that uh and metaverses and, and vr technology and digitization is certainly a very driver for reducing returns thank you very much good start we got our metaverse in there uh oliver you feel better now and let's go <laughs> Victoria, I'm going to your prediction number three because we have to enter the M word. This is important. Victoria says millennials make mm. up the largest ah, somebody's moaning or groaning and saying, mm-hmm, or a little heart appearing there virtually. Millennials make up the largest consumer block in terms of dollars, and they are ditching major brands that have stood the test of time. They want to chart their own journey. Victoria, I'd like you to finish this prediction. I don't want to sit here and read. I'd rather hear it from you. Go ahead. I think that millennials, um, the biggest problem is, you know, they grew up with a, a, a device at their hips by the time they were like uh, in, you know, second grade or something. And they have a real distrust of um, the messaging by the retail industry, especially in jewelry, for example, with all the diamond mines, you know, all the um, sort of uh, closed, you know, deals on the back end. So they actually want to know more about what they're buying, who they're supporting, who they're, um, you know, they're really concerned about the planet and the world. So the more, and they're not afraid to start uh, their own journey. They're afraid to, you know, basically with, with the return policies that everybody has now, they can experiment, um, you know, what they want to have. And um, I just think that that also offers um, the retailers who actually provide real transparency, like, you um, couple of people here have already said um, and you know providing like supply chain for example showing the factories showing how things are dyed um, how they're you know produced that all uh, because it, the number one thing is uh, we still have to like somebody and trust somebody before they'll buy anything and that um, that like and trust factor has to be conveyed whether you're using AI or you know whatever they, they won't buy unless they're connected emotionally that's that's my prediction. Thank you very much. I recently made a really bad boo-boo. I found a fashion website, Victoria and everyone, that had be some beautiful dresses on models that were just flowing in colors I had never seen in patterns. And I didn't investigate the company enough. I just didn't. And it was a company in Asia. It was not through Amazon. And I spent a good amount of money and the stuff arrived. The shipping cost was outrageous, but the stuff arrived, and I couldn't have been more excited to open the bag. What I found were products that looked like they came from a 
what we used to call a five and dime store, Halloween costume quality, almost plastic. The stuff didn't move. <laughs> it didn't flow. It was stamped crap fabric. I bought a couple of pairs of earrings that broke the second I took them out of the package and I went to get a return. Well, shame on me. Am I an educated retail customer, Matt? You know me, probably think, yeah, Bonnie, you know what you're doing. Well, they told me in order to return it, it would cost me $75 to ship it back to them. There would be a restocking fee. There would be a percent taken off the whole thing and they made it almost impossible. So I went to my credit card company. It took two months. They got me, they credited me with the entire purchase. I had to talk to two people for a total of 45 minutes on two sessions on the phone, explain to them, show them the, the retail purchase slip, tell them what the problem was. The fabric was awful. The, it looked nothing like it was a scam. It was really a scam. And it had no bearing on what had been advertised virtually on their website. I was finally credited by my credit card, by my MasterCard company with the complete amount and I didn't have to do anything. I still have the stuff in a bag and I'm debating whether to put it in the garbage or give it away to a good I don't even think I want anybody I'm sorry I don't want even anybody to wear this I don't care what their economic level is it's so hideously poor so I was taken in and I learned my lesson never go to a company that doesn't have a good return policy and I know I'm hurting your feelings everybody on the panel but as a consumer <laughs> as a consumer I will never make that mistake again and all I can say is shame on me let's move on let's go to Matt I'm looking at prediction number three thank you Victoria for yours on the Millennials Matt says by 2024 oh my goodness that's only a year and a half away the percentage of fashion items sold and then having a subsequent return or other significant post sales experience will be greater than, everybody put your seatbelt on, will be greater than 50%. Matt, doom and gloom, talk to us. Well, it's doom and gloom, but remember my quote was about optimism, right? So I, I think that this speaks to what Victoria had said about millennials. It speaks to your experience, Bonnie. I think that in the consumer-facing world, uh, the bar is always being raised higher and higher as people have experiences with different brands and different types of things. And I think that you know, started off, you know, years and years ago with Zappos making it so easy. And part of their model was to ship out multiple pairs of shoes, knowing that, you know, a high percentage of those shoes were going to come back just to make it easier for those consumers to have that experience. I, I think in, if you look at the fashion world with the dynamics of millennials, uh, their shopping patterns, their shopping habits, what they're conditioned to do, I think it's reasonable to brace for the fact that this is going to remain a very significant part of business that we're going to have to optimize for. And I think that leading brands are thinking about how to, how to manage that effectively. And I also was careful to put in there not only a return, a combination of returns, but also this, what I'm calling a substantial or significant post-sales experience, because there's a lot more to being, being done at the consumer level beyond just shipping a product and hoping the customer's happy with it. It's all about in, continuously engaging that consumer with their experience with the product, what else can you do with the product? Now that you have that product, can we help you experience it better? So some of our customers in the uh, outdoor apparel space, you know, talk about not only what the performance uh, and technology behind those products are, if you're going to wear, you know, a, a rainproof jacket to go hiking, not only the product itself, but what are you going to do with it? And what else can we help you do as you go and, and experience that product more? Have you tried this hike? I know you live here. Have you tried this? Have you tried our adventure trips? Those sorts of things. So I think the, the post-sale touch is going to remain high. And I think if you look specifically at fashion and apparel, it's going to be um, over 50%. 
in- very interesting. And we've talked in past years, Matt and everybody else, about you're not selling a hammer. You're selling what it can do. Where will that nail go? What will that nail hold? What will you hang on it? So it's it's a, a solution, basically. The hammer is a solution to a problem. It's not just I got a hammer in my hand. Very, very interesting. Thank you very much. Let's move on to a prediction from Navjeet. And I'm looking at your number three. This is interesting. Consumers will become more and more echo conscious and will gravitate toward retailers that optimize their returns so they know they are ordering products they will want to keep. There we go. We don't want to put you out of business. Navjeet, talk to us. Hey, Bonnie, the key word over there is keep because you know what? Hey, we as retailers want to make sure whatever we are selling, we are selling the right product to the right customer who's going to keep it. And, uh, you know, the topic of millennials already started, right? So the next generation is a lot more savvy, aware about the sustainability issue, not only how the product is manufactured, but even how is it delivered to them and also in the reverse supply chain. I mean, let's accept the fact, right? Returns will happen. Our goal is, hey, can we control it? At least where it is possible to control. Now, you know, also what we found working with our clients is returns is uh, typically an indication of a problem upstream. And the problem could be, hey, was it not packaged correctly? Got delivered damage? You know, did we not advertise the product correctly or, you know, quality, et cetera? All the issues we've been talking about here, right? Now it's up to the retailer, especially those who are serious about their ESG agenda you know, we see returns reduction as that low hanging fruit if they're really serious about ESG and environmental sustainability. You know, all of us have heard the stats about how much carbon emission happens, how much uh, packaging material goes to landfill and the actual product, whether it is fashion or printers or TVs or furniture. So, you know, bottom line is there is a huge impact to the environment and our next generation is the one who's actually going to be demanding of the retailers, hey, are you eco-friendly? Are you taking care of our environment or not? Thank you very much. All good points. Glad we brought that in. And let's go to a prediction from Oliver. Oliver, you and I discussed in the chat where we're going to go with this because you want to talk metaverse. And I got that in from Proffle. I got the metaverse in. So we're moving something else. So Oliver's going to talk about his prediction number three, warehouse managers and customer service will pay a crit play a critical role in lowering the cost of operations, increasing customer loyalty, and improving margins. Oliver, prediction, please. Yeah, thank you. I was just listening closely to what Navjeet was talking about. I totally agree with the, the, the front end and making the experience better and making sure we capture things up front. But returns are going to happen, and they will continue to happen. And that means the role of the warehouse associate will definitely have to change. So it's often temporary workers. Is often people who are not necessarily as educated as they could be to really make that decision. Once a parcel comes into the warehouse, where should the product that's within, where should it go? Should it be kept? Is it in good condition? Do I have a problem? Is there any kind of exception that I need to follow through? I need to call the, um, you know, the, the customer service team and try to find out what happened uh, throughout the uh, purchase and after the purchase. And we need to make sure that we keep goods that come in as much as possible in the circular economy. So that's where I totally agree with Namjit. Mm-hmm. We absolutely have to make sure that products that are being produced stay, and there are more than enough people who are happy to use or to buy used goods. You know, again, this might be a secondary web, web page, it might be a virtual thrift store, it might be a marketplace, 
But when we look at branded apparel and footwear companies, as an example, they really want to protect their brand and they want to make sure that they protect the perception of the brand. And environmental consciousness is, is a huge deal. We want to make sure that we are talking about the good things we do by keeping things in the circular economy and building a e-commerce platform that allows customers to use those goods, buy them at, maybe at a lower price, but ultimately that's to Victoria's point earlier on, if I inform the customer up front, you're going to buy a package with jeans within, and those jeans you know, are perfectly fine, but, but there was something ripped at the, at the package. So would you be willing to buy this at this price? And people are absolutely willing to buy stuff. You know, and we see so many things still going to, to landfills. We want to avoid that. And we want to have some technology and solutions available to help those warehouse workers to be more efficient about the process. Thank you very much. And I'm thinking of the resale market, the non, non-retailer resale market. I recently bought some, a couple of years ago, some wonderful little, um, I call them my drummer boots. I'm a, a drummer as a hobby. And I have these little red, uh, it's like a velvet on velvet with a little short heel and a little gold zipper. And I wanted more of those. And TJ Maxx was no longer selling them. Of course, you know, you go in the next day and they've got 25 other styles of boots and they're not, you, you just have to buy it now. Talk about buy it now. And and I don't do much in-store shopping. So I searched the web and I found a bunch of resale sites and I will only buy unused. It has to say NWT, new with tags. So I'm taking it off of somebody else's hands, buying it from a consumer who already purchased it rather than returned it they put it on the resale market on different different websites i don't have to name them and we're not talking ebay we're talking more fashion oriented sites and i bought four more pairs of these boots in different style different colors different fabrics and i've got a whole wardrobe i've got black i got blue i got brocade i've got silver i've got orange and black they're gorgeous but i bought them from the the sub market rather than having somebody return them. So that was a benefit to the retailer, right? That they weren't returned, yeah. they were put, and that, that's a whole other wrinkle there. We have time for one more prediction and Prafal, I'm gonna use this one from you, number three. This is interesting. You say from the stores, from the store's curbside order pickup to the home's curbside returns pickup, drones and driverless cars will be leveraged to pick up returns outside a customer's home for a completely touchless consumer experience, easier than me driving to Kohl's. So Prof will go ahead, regale us. you got about uh, two and a half minutes, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, Bonnie, I think before I jump into that, I think the one thing I wanna point out is we talked about millennials and ways to minimize the need for returns. And that technology is not a prediction, it's there today. And one of the great things about working at a company like an SAP that works with a lot of startups, they've started putting the ability for a consumer to influence the carbon emissions involved all the way from the factory to their home and offset that with a carbon neutral, make their orders carbon neutral with a donation to an earth-friendly project. The more customers are given that control, the chances they're going to feel less about returning because now I know by returning it, I'm contributing to the carbon emissions. So um, so that was one thing. The, from a curbside, I think of this as a shift in curbside. Today, you want to pick up delivery, everybody's stable stakes, curbside delivery, returns, you've got to go to Amazon, you've got to go to UPS, if, even, if, even if you're doing Amazon, uh, Amazon returns. The prediction that I'm looking at is everything happens outside my home. I want to place an order. We've got retailers that I personally track, 15 minutes, the order's ready for me to drive up and pick it up. And I, my whole focus has been, why not have it in my house in the next 15 minutes? Why not have an Uber pick up my order and bring it in, right? 
consumers are willing to pay for that convenience. Basically, the same thing in returns. If I want to return a product, all I got to use is very simple, simple, easy, convenient, and fast credit, which, which Amazon does. But now I want an Uber to come and pick up the return and take it back to the retailer. I'm looking at everything that I control at my convenience. So using things like drones, using things like driverless cars, using things like logistics networks that include the Uber, the Lyft, the couriers, including bicycle couriers if you're in Manhattan, to leverage that. And just as if I was taking Uber from one, co uh, one corner of a street in Manhattan to another, why not my product takes the Uber ride? So the whole experience becomes very touchless. So I can buy and I can return. And um, one of the retailers has talked about even using returns, sh consumers' homes as a return uh, shipping point. So if I can return and my retailer can guide me to ship it to my neighbor because they've made a similar request, I've just eliminated a lot of carbon, carbon emissions because I get the quote from, from UPS label and I ship it to a home near me versus it going back to the retailer and then coming back to the customer. So using even consumers as a shipping point is going to become a future uh, table stakes. Thank you, Profil. What an interesting conversation. Would you all like to come back? Because obviously we have a lot more predictions and all I would need is a new quote from each of you and maybe one more fresh prediction in addition to the ones that are remaining. Uh, what do you think? Should we do this in October or early November maybe? Early November, just in advance of the, the holiday season. And by the way, I'm thinking that I get a, an alert from Alexa when it's not a tornado warning. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. We had one two days ago. It was a 12-minute storm. Everything blew sideways, but it wasn't a tornado. Thank goodness. I get a, you purchased on Amazon this product eight weeks ago. How would you rate it? One through five. So she's doing a rating on the product quality or how much I, whether I kept it. I don't think I've ever had her ask me for something that I returned, but she wants to know rated this will help other customers so she is involved through amazon obviously alexa navjeet quick talk but bonnie I, I think october november is going to be perfect timing so we can make predictions for 2022 peak returns Absolutely. and as we all know right you know there's always a national returns day right after the first of the year. Yep, absolutely. Here, everybody I need, we, we got to get out of here one minute to go. Gabe, my engineer, thank you so much. Everybody say, thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Gabe. And everybody you, say, buy LinkedIn, buy Facebook. And here, I have a challenge for all of you. I want you to wave your finger, wag your finger. Come on, everybody, wag your finger. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to say no, no, no. My question is, Everybody says the future is already here. And our answer is one, two, three. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. Actually, it just did after I stopped the word yet. There was a period and a pause. That was the future. It's in the past. We're all here to make it a better one. Stick around. I will talk to you all for just a second afterwards. By LinkedIn, by Facebook, by Voice America. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.